to the Caspian Podcast, the podcast of the Caspian Post with me, Mark Elliott. Welcome to the Caspian Podcast, the podcast of the Caspian Post with me, Mark Elliott. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to my old friend, Tom Marsden. Uh, Tom is uh, the, well, was the editor of Visions magazine, a truly marvellous magazine, which sadly is no more, and is now working on Experience Azerbaijan, put together by the tourist office of Azerbaijan. And on top of it all, he's also doing podcasts. So uh, doubtless uh, you may be hearing me on his podcast as much as you're hearing him on mine. So anyway, Tom, very much welcome. Uh, you came to Azerbaijan, what was it, seven years ago? Yes. Well, thanks very much, Mark, for having me on your, on your podcast. Um, yeah, so I've been in Azerbaijan for about seven years now. I came in uh, 2014 uh, from London. And how long did it take you to go from, I, I know you came as a, um, for working for a tutoring agency, but how long did it take you to move into the, into the journalism field? Well, um, I worked, so I worked for a tutoring agency for about, uh, for about nine months, actually. Um, I confess to, effectively, when I came to Azerbaijan, I had this idea that I wanted to explore the country, to write about it and to do some photography, that kind of thing. Um, and I, I, um, I found Visions, Visions uh, magazine in the office or nearby the office I was working in. Um, and I looked at the address on the magazine um, and I subsequently went to that, went to that, uh, went to the address and, um, uh, you know, made some connections with the editorial staff. And then the editor was leaving um, and I applied for the job and I, I got a job there. And that kind of took me off in a completely different direction uh, in Azerbaijan. Well, and for those who've never seen this magazine, it really was quite uh, unusual in that it, it tried to give a real balanced idea of culture, history, and um, and in, in a, at a time that trying to be even-handed was quite difficult because, you know, there was a lot of propaganda in the air. How did you manage to keep sort of steer an even path? I mean, that must have, must have been pressures on you. Yeah, I mean, Mark, that's a really good question um, because... Yes, on the one hand, you're, you know, obviously you're promoting the country. So you have to be, you know, the whole idea of the magazine was to pr promote the country, um, but in a very kind of balanced way um, that, um, you know, really it was sort of focusing on the culture, cuisine, focusing on the stuff that's um, sort of non-political, um, you know, really, really trying to steer into the uh, cultural field and, and travel as well, because there, there really is so much... Uh, fantastic stuff in Azerbaijan. There are stories everywhere, you know. Uh, you know yourself having having written your guidebook for decades that, um, you know, you, you'll go off for a weekend and end up in a, in a beautiful mountain village somewhere and uh, uh, soon enough people will be recounting their local legends and tales and this kind of thing. So, so really when we were making the magazine, it was um, trying to focus on the stories that um, uh, that sort of give Azerbaijan colour and uh, character. Well, I know you also have a, a very good eye for stories that people may not otherwise have noticed. I remember the time that you took me to see some strange-looking mud hole on the edge of Baku where people were bathing. Uh, and, and, but you turned that into something really interesting. Uh, uh, where can people find that? Is, is, did that make it into the magazine? Um, that did that did make it into the magazine eventually. Um, yeah, so that was uh, that was a very odd place um, just outside Baku. Um, 
which in summer it becomes very popular. It's, it's basically a salt lake, um, which uh, you know people go, go there and they bathe in the salt lake and then they cover themselves in mud. Um, and, and you know, obviously this is thought to have uh, magical kind of healing powers. Um, so you're quite right. We, we, we um, traveled there together one day and uh, had a real adventure. And I think we ended up in uh, someone's apartment in, <laughs> in somewhere in the back of the suburbs having, having uh, uh, what's it called? The, the local made... Uh, uh, the local... Tutovka, the Tutovka, the, the, yeah. mulberry, the mulberry hooch. And, but it, the, the, the visual image is something very striking, is it? Because people are plastered with black mud. But another thing that I, I've really enjoyed in your own work, uh, you, you've, I think you even had an ex exhibition of it with uh, taking pictures of old Soviet cars in strange locations. Uh, how yes, How has that project been going? Um, well, yeah, that's something I, I began very soon after I arrived in Azerbaijan. Um, I'm a very keen photographer, um, you know, as a, as a hobby. Um, so I spend a lot of my free time kind of uh, pursuing personal projects and, and uh, traveling to you know, various parts of the country and even other countries as well, trying to, trying to piece things together and, uh, you know, kind of make an interesting story. And, and the, the Soviet cars, I mean, that's just something I noticed very soon after I came to Azerbaijan, that there was just... This extraordinary abundance of old Soviet cars. And I've lived in Russia and I've traveled to, you know, loads of countries in the region, uh, Georgia, Kazakhstan. Um, but for some reason in Azerbaijan, there's just more, um, you know, more, more of these old Lada Zhigunis and um, all the various um, Soviet cars than anywhere else I found. It's, it's kind of a, a curious, a very quirky thing. And, and when they were sort of blending into these extraordinary mountain landscapes and um, mud volcanoes and, and the sort of all the diversity of um, Azerbaijani geography, um, it made for quite a quite a sort of interesting project. Which, I, I, do, uh, I mean, I do think I think this is something that people in the region find hard to understand. Is is people, um, perhaps older people from the west, finding such interest in, in anything uh, linked to the old Soviet system. I, I know uh, uh, just to find an old Lenin statue or a, 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 astonishingly, there's even a Stalin statue, which I discovered still standing in a, in a, a very remote um, kolkhoz, uh, what used to be a, a Soviet collective farm. On, on, I, I shan't even say where it is because I don't want to make it too easy for people to go and demolish it. But it's an extraordinary, it, it is extraordinary what you can still find, isn't it? Yes, absolutely, and you're and you're completely right um, about the sort of Soviet aspect. And obviously, local people for local people, the Soviet Union has a sort of negative, uh, a very negative connotation. And um, in promoting Azerbaijan, people don't really want you to promote the, the sort of Soviet heritage. Whereas um, from the West, we that's what we find one of the one of the major things we find fascinating. So. Again, in, in my job with the magazine, promoting promoting the country and its culture and travel, um, trying to find that balance between how local people want want their country to be promoted and and and, and how sort of a, a Westerner finds it interesting. It's mm. a very difficult balance to to make. I, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that is changing a little bit. Perhaps I, I noticed that um, a very popular thing for the tourists now in Baku is that that. Soviet experience restaurant where where people are dressed up in army costumes and and pretending to be rude to the customers in a in a slightly um, jovial um, uh, 
mockery of of the whole thing. But yeah, now now tell us, Tom. You've done so many articles over the years. Uh, what would you say was the the most exciting um, of the, of the projects that you took part in for for those magazines? Oh, well, that's again a very difficult question. Um, to be honest, Mark, as editor of these magazines, I try to. Um, you know, there aren't that many people writing about Azerbaijan. So when I'm trying to source material, um, I, I try and let people um, like yourself just write about, you know, what you're passionate in and then try and fill in the gaps to try and balance out the magazine. Um, so often I'm writing about things that I'm not, I'm not sort of fully interested in, um, but it's sort of just, just plugging holes. But of course there have been articles which have been um, really, uh, really fascinating. I mean, just, just recently I've written an article for, for the Experience Azerbaijan magazine about um, how European bison are being reintroduced into the country, into a specific area of the country, into the uh, Shabdak uh, National Park. Um, so there are many countries in Europe which are reintroducing the European bison. And I, I believe even in, in the UK um, that's going to happen next year or in the next couple of years. Um, but Azerbaijan is one of them, and sort of historically, the European bison uh, was roaming the Caucasus Mountains. Um, and over the last couple of years, they're, they're, they've been trying to um, re-establish a, a small herd, um, which hopefully will grow um, to, to about 500 uh, bison over the next sort of 25 years and become a sort of iconic uh, species of the Caucasus Mountains, which... Mm. Um, in turn will attract tourism, which will in turn help to uh, uh, conserve the species. So it's a, you know, a really fa fascinating little story. And, and that allowed me to travel out to the Caucasus Mountains with someone from the uh, WWF. And uh, you know, sort of, this is one of, one of the great things about my experiences in Azerbaijan, um, working for magazines is that I've had, you know, these people are so hospitable here that um, if you want to interview someone or if you're researching something and, and you just contact someone, they're so willing to help and to take you to places and show you um, show you what's happening. And I know you're a Russian speaker. Um, I, 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 as the years have gone by, so fewer and fewer people speak Russian. Uh, are you still finding that it's possible to communicate in Russian or are you, are you brushing up on your Azerbaijani these days? Well, yes, I have been learning some Azerbaijani. Uh, admittedly, my Azerbaijani is just shocking. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's a sort of level that I start, you know, trying to speak to someone and, and they, you know, they just very quickly uh, cut me off and, and speak English. Um, which is an another thing in Baku is that, you know, young people, they, they speak very good English. So um, in Baku, with a younger generation, I, I, I would generally speak English. Yeah, but mm. with, with the older generation, um, that grew up in the Soviet time, they, they still speak very, uh, well, some people will speak Russian as a, as a native language. Um, and if they don't speak it as a native language, they, they speak it very well as a, as a second mm -hmm. language. So it depends really who, I, who I'm talking to, but, but generally with a sort of younger crowd, it, it, it's English and, and with an older crowd, it's uh, Russian. And, and it's true, isn't it, that these days for, for a tourist visiting Azerbaijan, if you're sticking to the main um, centres, Baku, Sheki, perhaps, uh, you, you're likely to do all right in English, whereas uh, even a few years ago, that would have been pretty tricky. Now, what, just going back to the thing about the, some of the work you've done um, with in nature and so forth, um, I think one, one you might 
uh, remind us about is the time with, with the leopard man down in the Hirkan forest. Um, just, yes. just, um, just to tell people, the Hirkan forest is right on, on the southernmost border with Iran, and uh, and I know I know Tom went there because I've, I've been down and I've met the same guy. Quite an extraordinary fellow, isn't he? Do you remember his name? Yes, yes, Babahan, Babahan, Babahan. Um, that's right. Yeah. Um, lo locally famous in, in that sort of southern um, Lamparan and uh, Astra region. Um, and he featured in the, uh, there was a National, Ge National Geographic documentary about the uh, saving the Caucasian leopard because it's extraordinarily um, rare and endangered. And in this sort of uh, Talish Mountains, um, uh, Hirkan Forest area, this sort of southernmost point of Azerbaijan, I think there's only about, you know, probably about a dozen of them left. Um, so they're desperately trying to conserve it. And uh, yeah, um, you've, you've met Babahan as well. He's, um, so he is sort of, the he's known as the leopard man um, because he grew, grew up in this forest where the leopards, uh, where the leopards live. And, and he sort of studied, studied their behavior over the years. And um, yeah, so it was he, he, he it was he, wasn't he, that, it wasn't it him that actually showed the cameramen from the National Geographic where to put their camera traps? Yeah, absolutely. So he he can he can track the leopards. He can he can you know follow the uh, paw prints and uh, uh, you know and and, and uh, figure out which way they've gone. And, and um, but it all started for him when he was actually attacked by a leopard, didn't it? Uh, didn't it? Yes. Um, I think I think the story is that he was returning from his military service uh, to the Hirkan Forest, and um, uh, a leopard had uh, killed killed one of one of his sheep, and um, so he he went off in pursuit of the of the leopard to to hunt it to kill it, um, and uh, and I think they were sort of waiting outside its den for several days for it to appear, and it didn't appear, and as they were sort of retreating down the mountain, suddenly out of nowhere the leopard appeared and attacked him, um, and they sort of went tumbling down the mountain together. Um, and, and, you know, funny enough, after that moment, his perception of the leopard completely changed, and he began to see it as this, you know, beautiful, powerful creature that was just trying to defend its uh, territory. Um, so these, these sort of local stories in Azerbaijan are um, one, of, one of the highlights, really. Yes, and I, what, what amazes me is the fact that, that someone as marvellous as that chap will actually act as a guide for little tourists like myself who who want to see and 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 obviously for people visiting you don't get to see a leopard i mean the chances are minimal even even after a year's camera traps they, it was only seen through the traps rather than in person but that area is just gorgeous i mean those, those moss covered forests are absolutely extraordinary and 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 again the, the, as you say these are these are great experiences now tom we're going to get short of time in a moment but i just have to ask you could you just tell me what is that statue or statuette you have beside you is that, uh, is that yeah. stalin or something what, what are we looking at and it's not lenin it's not, is it not lenin it's actually steve jobs um <laughs> the um the story behind this is um again this uh, relates to an article that i was writing for um i think it was the experience as by john magazine i was in, interviewing a guy who um had uh, basically built a statue like this in the town of Gabala. Hang on, uh, a statue of Steve Jobs yeah. in Gabala. Absolutely. So if you go to the Gabala region in, in Azerbaijan, a very beautiful region in, in just beneath the Caucasus Mountains, um, as you enter the region, there is a big statue of Steve, jo Steve Jobs. 
and you can uh, you can purchase one of these souvenir um, mini mini statues. Um, so after the interview, um, you know, people being very hospitable, um, they often you know will treat you to tea or whatever. But I, very unexpectedly, I was given a, a small statue of uh, Steve Jobs, um, but, but, which is. A but what's what's the, what's the connection with Steve Jobs and Gabbler? Is there any connection, or is this entire? I mean, there's got to be a story there. Um. I think the connection, if I remember correctly, is that Gabler is kind of no, known for its apples, um, uh, for its apple orchards, uh, uh, orchards, um, and so that the Steve Jobs connection <laughs> the, the, between the company Apple and uh, uh, and apples and Gabler. Um, that's not the only bizarre statue in, in this uh, particular part of Gabler. There's also a statue of uh, Jean Claude Van Damme because the village where these statues are located is, is called Van Damme. There's absolutely no connection between Jean-Claude Van Damme and, uh, and the village Van Damme. Um, but this, this uh, local guy um, has very uh, cleverly seen that um, for tourists, um, it could be interesting. Well, honestly, and I think this is, as my own experience of having written guidebooks about Azerbaijan, there are wonderful, quirky things all over the place. I mean, have you been to Khachmas where they, they have gigantic clothes pegs and, and the three wise men? and all? There, 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 there are endless things. But um, anyway, I'd just like to thank you very much, Tom. I hope we'll be able to talk um, many more times on, on these podcasts. But thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to the Caspian podcast with me, Mark Elliott and Tom Marsden. Thanks very much for joining us. And I hope to see you again next time. 